You are now listening to a Fit Plus Love production. The microbes in your mouth are an indigenous part of who you are. They're as unique as your thumbprint. So your oral microbiome and my oral microbiome may be similar, but there are distinct differences as unique as our DNA. That was Dr. Jerry Caratola. This is Marnie Sala. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, welcome, and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Sala. All right, I am dropping in here to the podcast channel feed on Friday, so TGIF with this extra bonus episode for the week and the beginning of a new series, a three-episode series with Dr. Jerry Curatola, world-renowned, paradigm-shifting, biologic dentist and global healthcare thought leader and pioneer. He is the best-selling author of The Mouth-Body Connection, co-founder of oral care company and prebiotic toothpaste Revitin, founder of Rejuvenation Dentistry, a multi-specialty integrative dental practice in New York City based on the principles of bioregulatory healthcare. And he is the founder of Medical and Wellness Center Rejuvenation Health in East Hampton. Dr. Jerry Kiratola and I are talking about the importance of having a healthy oral microbiome, the toxic chemicals in modern day toothpaste the good ingredients to look for, and his game-changing toothpaste, Revitin. We also talk about the four cornerstones of oral health. Dr. Curatola was on the podcast back on episode 22 in 2018, and he is my go-to for all things oral health and dentistry, including immediately texting him, then racing in to his office after my bike crash this summer to evaluate my teeth. Dr. Jerry Curatola has established the oral microbiome as the next frontier for health and wellness with his book, The Mouth-Body Connection, the 28-day program to create a healthy mouth, reduce inflammation, and prevent disease throughout the body. Based on new scientific research and Dr. Curatola's 30 years of clinical practice, The Mouth-Body Connection explains why the gums are truly the gateway to overall health and provides an evidence-based approach for readers to use this cutting-edge knowledge to improve their own health. We did a much deeper dive back on episode 22 into the book and all things Dr. Jerry Caratola. I highly recommend you listen. Dr. Caratola is offering Marnie on the Move listeners 15% off Revitin with our code Marnie15 at Revitin.com. And that is R-I-V-I-T-I-N dot com. Now, on to my conversation with Dr. Jerry Curatola. Why is the toothpaste that you use so important for having a healthy microbiome? And what do we need to know about toothpaste and mouthwash that are on the market today? Yeah, that's a fantastic question because a lot of people don't realize that toothpaste was developed by detergent makers, the soap makers, Colgate, right? Procter and Gamble, uh, Lever Brothers, which became Unilever. Um, So toothpaste origins were really like a flavored detergent for your mouth. I was on the Martha Stewart show years ago when I was doing the research on oral care. And and she said, oh, tell us about, you know, I understand you're, you're working on developing a new generation of toothpaste. And uh, it was a missed marketing opportunity, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but Martha was a fan of Revitin, and uh, and she really she really liked it. I used to send it to her, and and uh, 
the, the interesting thing is that I said toothpaste was, you know, Martha toothpaste was invented by soap makers, uh, uh, you know, 150 years ago. I said, my mother said, if I said a dirty word, she sticks soap in my mouth, but I was brushing with it already. <laughs> <laughs> so she loved that. That's hysterical. But then I told her, you know, in the 1970s, around the 70s, we started looking at, um, you know, these uh, bacteria that were related to gum disease and mm -hmm. tooth decay. And our thinking was, oh, we got to kill the bacteria, kind of like, you know, raid, you know, raid. Killing uh, ants. Yeah. Ants, ant spray and totally. cockroach spray. And, you know, let's use, let's use pesticides in the mouth. And so we came up with <clears throat> stannous fluoride and chlorhexidine. And then Colgate Total uh, launched a product called, uh, uh, Colgate launched a product called Colgate Total. And that had the worst non-biodegradable pesticide. It's called triclosan copolymer. It's now banned by the FDA. It's been a carcinogen and it created uh, dioxins and streams. And uh, if you brushed with triclosan um, toothpaste, like total, uh, and you drank chlorinated water, there was a study showed that mm -hmm. it actually produced chloroform. So this is the craziness and the insanity that went on in oral care and the fascination from its detergent origins to now being a pesticide. And so way back then, I turned to Martha and I said, Martha, it's time for doctors to get out of the pesticide business. So and, I, and I said, and what I'm promoting, this was the key line, is organic gardening for your mouth. And she goes, oh, I love that. Right, because she's so into gardening. <laughs> what, like, what, why is it that doctors and people are still using this fluoride-based toothpaste today Yeah. after with um, this information. No, and, and you know what? The, the, the information about fluoride is, is frightening. And by the way, for everyone on this podcast, I urge you to go to a website called fluoridealert.org. It's a consumer advocacy group. But what the guy did is he compiled all of the scary negative studies about fluoride. Just top line, we have 62% yeah. of children that are, um, they, they have damage to their teeth from too much fluoride. It's called fluorosis, 62%. The ironic thing is that those teeth are now more prone to decay, the very thing they were given a toxic halide chemical to prevent them from. So the whole fluoride story, you know, we could do a whole podcast on well, that. Well, I mean, I feel like we've been brainwashed by this yes. idea that we need to have fluoride to have healthy teeth. And dental students and dental hygienists and young dentists are still brainwashed. Yeah. They think like it's, it's like a... Uh, it's a staple. Like, oh, you got to have fluoride. I mean, it's I mean, very... You can get fluoride from broccoli. Right. You know, and it's not that fluor fluorine. By the, by the way, fluoride is a made-up word. The element is fluorine on the periodic table. And what a lot of people don't realize is fluorine as a trace mineral is the most highly reactive, non-radioactive element in the periodic table. Okay. So right after radioactive stuff is fluorine. It's very highly negatively charged. Now, what's the significance of that? The significance is, is when you put some form of fluoride, and by the way, our water supply has hydrofluorosilicic acid, a toxic waste chemical. They have to wear hazmat suits to dump this crap in the New York City water supply. So what, like why, where did the idea for dentists start to use this on our teeth? Like where does that come from? That That's another great question. You're a great you're a great interviewer. <laughs> I just, I just want to know, yeah, like, yeah, no, where no, the hell did this questions. idea come from? And I from? bet a lot of people listening want to know the same thing. I mean, well, you're saying, I mean, and obviously, I know from, you know, working with you, using Revitin, and also, you know, just being highly yeah. dialed into well, it's, this. It's yeah. actually um, really interesting. They were doing studies after World War II. Okay. And by the way, after World War II, there was an excess amount of fluoride, you know, flu fluorine, was a byproduct of making short-range bombs. Okay. I mean, there's three, there's three industries that produce fluoride. There is the phosphate fertilizer industry. Okay. Okay. Can you say Monsanto? Monsanto. There is, <laughs> there is the aluminum manufacturing industry. Can you say Alcoa? And there is, um, it's also made from uranium enrichment. Can you say the Department of Defense? <laughs> <laughs> so you have 
all of this, you know, fluorine, excess fluoride. And right. a lot of it is a chemical called hydrofluorosilicic acid. And the history was they tried to dump it in the ground and it killed, you know, everything. It kills okay. everything. It killed livestock and, and, and plants and, and everything. And at the same time, and I'm not trying to connect these and I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist or anything like that. But after World War, after World War II, they were doing studies uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It's called mm -hmm. the Grand Rapids Studies. And they showed that if you introduce fluoride or fluorine, which they called sodium fluoride, right. um, that it caused teeth and bones. Okay. very rapidly to remineralize or what they thought was a remineralization. And so, oh, we could fix cavities with fluoride. So they thought. Okay. The reality is that what it is, is, as I said earlier, the element uh, behind the word fluoride, fluorine, is Fl- minus on the periodic table. It kicks out the hydroxy element of teeth and bones. So our teeth and bones made of the same thing. Our teeth are denser than our bones. Okay. And so hydroxyapatite is the mineral that are, makes up our teeth and bones. They're even okay. trying to do hydroxyapatite and toothpaste now and all this stuff. Um, we'll get to that. We'll talk yeah, about I toothpaste wanna... is an insane topic. And everyone listening who walks into a supermarket or a drugstore to get toothpaste is totally bewildered walking down the toothpaste aisle. There's so much crap. I mean, before I met you, I just picked it by like the packaging and the right, color. Right, the packaging and the color. <laughs> like what color we'll do I want? Like? We'll talk about the, the color, by the, the, you know, that bright blue. Everyone but I feel like blue. I've been enlightened and my eyes have been open to this yeah, world because be. it's like people should be. we're doing all these things in our lives, right? To stay yes. healthy, like we're looking, we're watching our sugar, we're eating healthy, we're exercising, we're staying fit. And then we're like putting fluoride in our mouth. Like, I don't, right. I mean, that's right. like a red no, alert. Yeah. Well, yeah. So that, that became, so Grand Rapids showed that, oh, um, introducing fluoride uh, stimulates remineralization. What they didn't know was that the mineral that's made fluorapatite is very hard, like glass, but very brittle. So after 25 years of, tr of putting water up fluoride in the water, of municipal water supplies, um, like my mother was drinking, right, right in Northwood, Maine. <laughs> well, that's why everyone in the five towns, like, <clears throat> I'm not going to still be that. So much cancer. No, but it's like cancer. So I mean, cancer. it's also from Plum Island, but that's a whole other so conversation. So much cancer. Oh yeah, I mean, Plum the, Island. I mean, I could not believe that. Um, okay, back to toothpaste. My neighbors. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, fine. My, the women on my street. Yeah. Which was Cliffside Avenue in Northwood, Maine. Four houses in a row, the women got breast cancer. I mean, even my mother had breast cancer. Yeah. I mean, I've, we are from Long Island, and there is definitely certainly something in the water. Yeah, it was an yeah. epidemic, yeah. So it's a lot of environmental influences with breast yes. cancer, and we could talk about that. But getting Separate back to podcast. fluoride. Yeah, talk about fluoride. everybody's waiting yeah. with bated breath. Well, Why yeah. Why did they put fluoride in the water and everything? So the, the idea was to stimulate remineralization. But what we found in our research subsequently right. is that- And there's all kinds of research on PubMed. Oh, yeah. Okay, this so for anyone listening to this, like, documented. Jerry is one of the most knowledgeable experts and people in this industry that you will ever meet. However, if you need more facts, you can go to PubMed. Yes. <laughs> yeah. but actually, yeah, even, so this fluoride alert of F-L-U-O-R-I-D-E alert.org um, is a consumer advocacy group. There are 60, over 60 studies that children who drink fluoridated water have lower IQ. 60. That's very alarming. It is terrible, terrible for kidney function. So there's a lot of uh, actually young adults. I had a 24-year-old who's in kidney failure, and his teeth are all spotted with white dots on his teeth. His teeth are kind of yellow with white dot, white, they call it white spots on your teeth. That's fluorosis. So uh, why are dentists still using this? Because it's drilled into them that it's it's great for preventative dentistry. You know, the insurance companies pay for you to get a fluoride treatment. Okay. You know, which now I, we're talking. I highly advise no one gets a fluoride treatment. Because the mineral, by the way, the mineral fluorapatite is one third weaker than your natural tooth enamel. I was talking about my mother 
Yeah, 25 years of fluoridation, she fell on the steps of our home, the steps upstairs to the bedrooms, and the stairs were carpeted, and she broke her hip. Okay, and, so it just deteriorates and, your bones and, and your it, teeth like, you know, in the, slowly. If, if you were hydroxyapatite, there's some flexibility, and she probably would have had a bad bruise, but she wouldn't have had a broken hip. So in the 1980s, when the orthopedic groups did studies, Okay. On hip fracture rates, they expected after fluoridation that hip fracture rates would have went down. And what was interesting, and this was published, by the way, in the New England Journal of Medicine, Journal of the American Medical Association, hip fracture weight, rates actually went up proportionally with the introduction of fluoridation. Okay. So what are some ingredients that you should be using? And I, we know that you, you know, I want to hear about the toothpaste that you created, Revitin. Sure. And I have been using it for years and love it. And I have gotten myself off the other brands and the beautifully colored toothpaste and all that crap. You know, obviously everyone can, can go to your website and buy Revitin, but let's just talk about the ingredients and yeah. like what is important that you use yeah. and that you have in your toothpaste What's the crap in, in, in the general crap in most commercial toothpaste? Yeah. And so uh, to begin with, it's so it's a detergent, right? So one of the principal ingredients to make toothpaste foam up is called sodium lauryl sulfate, SLS. And okay. now you have SLS shampoo, SLS soap, SLS, to, SLS free. I meant SLS free soaps and shampoos and everything. SLS is an irritant. They actually It actually irritates the skin. Um, so, and dermatological companies would use sodium lauryl sulfate to irritate the skin to test new creams and new skincare products. So it was in toothpaste because toothpaste was a detergent by background. So that's, you know, the first thing is that what they used to make it foam up like soap doesn't belong in your mouth or on your skin. Okay. There's a study from Oslo, Norway that SLS causes canker sores in the mouth. So they came up with uh, canker sore formula, and all they did was take the SLS out. Okay. Let's talk about some other things. You said, oh, I love the bright blue and da 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 and That's red from, and green. That, right, all those colors. Stripes. So, so those, are, those are colors like the bright blue one, which is probably the most common in oral care, is made from coal tar, and it's a carcinogen. Nice. Okay, so that's one. People don't realize they're still using toothpaste with artificial sweeteners like aspartame and saccharin and all these other things that have been shown to be harmful. There is um, fluoride in toothpaste. Um, you know, so this is a really interesting fact. In 1988, Procter & Gamble launched a product called Crest Sparkle. Do you remember that yes, when we were young? Yes, of course. Um, it Sparkle. was fluorescent blue, yeah. fluorescent blue, Bubble gum flavored, key thing, bubble gum flavored. Right, for kids. And it and, had sparkles yeah. in it. It tasted like candy. Like so bu what? Hubba Bubba. Remember hubba, that gum? Hubba Bubba. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I probably have a couple of fillings from Hubba Bubba. <laughs> <laughs> but you remember that gum, yes, right? Totally. So fluoride fatalities in children, you hear fatalities in yeah. children under five, went up 280%. It was a little known fact because the internet, I like mm -hmm. to say. Now we have the internet, but yeah, back I then. I like to say Al Gore didn't invent the internet. Yes, <laughs> I love what he said, it. he invented the internet. Uh. <laughs> so <clears throat> the reality is that kids were dying from eating toothpaste. And it took 10 years, but the FDA in 1998 mandated that any toothpaste with sodium fluoride have a poison warning on it. And it says keep out of keep out of reach of children, like skull and crossbones. Keep out of keep out of reach of children. If more than a pea-sized amount is swallowed, contact poison control right away. And I immediately I had patients, well, parents in my practice in New York, saying, "Hey, Doctor Jerry, why is there a poison warning on toothpaste?" Yeah, we're, kids are sticking it in their mouth. I'm, we're all sticking it inside us. So, like, let's just draw a parallel between toothpaste and cigarettes because right. cigarettes were very popular and everyone smoked them and there was a warning that you could die if you smoked them but people continued to smoke them so i feel like sounds a lot like toothpaste well yeah and it seems <laughs> maybe like, i'm wrong it but... seems like well who swallows toothpaste and some people anyway? still smoke and i'm not judging you but you should quit <laughs> No, I loved the American uh, tobacco companies. 
uh, be, behaved kind of like the way the American Dental Association is behaving now um, and saying that like, you know, like amalgam fillings are safe, which are 52 percent mercury and stuff like that. Right. But they're also very staunchly pro-fluoride, pro-fluoride, pro-fluoride. I do believe uh, and I've done a lot of research, you know, yeah. I, I have a clinical research wing at NYU's dental school named after me. So I'm okay. very committed to research, sound evidence based research. And even um, other research scientists I know at NYU and elsewhere are all like rolling their eyes because the data that comes out about fluoride is like, oops, oops, maybe this wasn't as good as we thought. Oops. You know, maybe it's time to kind of take it out. So when did you realize this? Like you've been practicing. When did you start practicing and when did you realize this and then move forward in the direction of launching your own toothpaste and yes, products? Yeah, it's really interesting. I was I was selected when I was in dental school. Um, I was selected as one of the two student representatives for Oral-B, which sold toothbrushes and fluoride products. Right. And they had all these fluoride products. And I'd go, I'd go around, and it was all these fluoride gels. And, you know, kids that swallowed fluoride would throw up. You know, it's one right. of the biggest. And there is something in there as um, an emetic, meaning like to get it out of your system, throw it up. The problem with, by the way, going back to Crest Sparkle, is that they would eat it too fast. And so okay. they would get a lethal dose. So there's enough fluoride in a full-size tube of crest sparkle that would be fatal to two children under five so i mean i just can't imagine you know like my five-year-old grandson like swallowing toothpaste and then god forbid my daughter going in the bathroom and seeing him on the floor right that that's what was happening yeah and people don't know that and it was a very kind of silent oh okay we'll put the poison warning on mm -hmm. and <clears throat> but the reality is that um I knew this was bad when I, so I came out of dental school in 1983. Mm -hmm. I tell everybody I was 10 years old. Right. Of course. <laughs> like uh, Doogie Hauser Got you. Doogie Hauser yeah, Copy that. I was, yeah, right. I was Jerry Hauser. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, that and was the show, right? Doogie Hauser. Doogie Hauser was great. Wait, great. there was another Ted, show with like- um, I think there are probably kids that are better doctors than grown up doctors. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you pay attention and do you, and read the labels, like, yeah. Yeah. If you read the label, and by yeah. the way, everyone should share this podcast with all of their friends who care about their mouths and their kids and their teeth and everything I think else. people, honestly, like I think people- hesitate and they're nervous because they are just brainwashed by this idea you know this is a, it's a whole psychology called group thinking yeah and i just heard a, a brilliant the guy who invented the mrna vaccine robert malone okay he just did a podcast on and talking about why scientists right now why doctors don't go outside the box and don't look behind the curtain like at the Wizard of Oz, look behind yeah, the curtain. Yeah, totally. You know? They need your dog to pull the curtain back. Oh, that dog is so bad. He's so bad. <laughs> I couldn't believe that. Everybody, got, look, I'll tell look, the whole cat, the whole world that my dog. Look even at though I just Marty put it on, on Instagram. The Instagram of her dog today getting into the garbage. Yep, he basically <laughs> took out the entire garbage pail and is featured eating some Pringles. Which, by the way, they're not mine. <laughs> okay, I was just gonna say. No, we not, have a fourteen-year-old, kind of and there's only so much you, you can do. <laughs> You know, you can't, you know, you can't take away right. the things they like or it causes problems. As, as my wife always told me, choose your battles. Choose yeah, your battles. that's not one. Like, so, so the interesting thing is yeah. that you're talking about fluoride brainwashing. Like the group, the, yeah, the yeah, group no, thinking. It is, it, is, um, it is drilled into dental students, like the first year of dental school. Like fluoride is the savior. Uh, by the way, a little known fact, um, there are fluoridated communities that have higher rates of decay than non-fluoridated like new hampshire by the way yeah per capita has the lowest decay in the lowest decay rates in the country called the D dmf uh, decayed missing and filled teeth okay and we're seeing just a lot a lot of issues um how are you getting the message out there because so, well, yeah yeah so uh, i mean i actually have consumers yeah. i have patients that pick up the toothpaste and go, is there is there fluoride in here is there fluoride in here and i said oh good heavens no you know, and they go, what? And I said, fluoride. But first of all, even the mineral that fluoride makes, forget the toxicity of the chemical. Forget that the chemical is a poison. 
Okay. And it's it's a very volatile, what, what we call a halide, H-A-L-I-D-E, halide chemical. Um, even if it wasn't toxic, the mineral that converts your teeth and bones from hydroxyapatite to fluorapatite, mm-hmm. fluorapatite is very hard and it's very brittle. By the way, fluoridated teeth make it very makes it very difficult for dentists to find decay because the enamel is so hard that it even prevents the dental x-rays okay. from being able to see underneath. So we get a lot of patients with these pinhole cavities in the enamel, which has been fluoridated, and then we call it a fluoride bomb because the dentin is God. organic. So you get a giant yeah. cavity under the enamel. And a lot of dentists are like, wow, this is so weird. It's like an upside down mushroom, that big giant, what's the big ones? Portobello mushroom. Yes, under, portobello. That's you know, so awful. you have the stem and then you got this giant big Because it's hidden decay. by the teeth right. that and are. Then, so what happens is, you know, they go to their dentist, they go to their dentist, dentist takes x-rays, they check and they're like, everything's great, everything's great, everything's great. And then at some point, by the way, mask wear kind of exploded the amount of decay. And, yeah, I'm sure. And uh, gum disease that we see. And just like people not going to the dentist during the pandemic, well, that, that's another that was, problem. That was one. People didn't get maintenance and cleanings and things. And then the second part is wearing a mask yeah. increased carbon dioxide levels in the mouth. So it threw off the acidic of the pH in the mouth and it made it more acidic and there was a condition called mask mouth. These people got a lot of cavities at the gum line, mm-hmm. at the gum lines of their teeth and they got, you know, advanced periodontal disease all because of, you know, mask mandates that where they were wearing them all the time. And I had people wearing two and three masks. They were oh so freaked out. Right. Like, well, yes. I'm like, why don't you walk around in a hazmat suit? <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> well, so, okay. So we have now established that fluoride is awful. So what's the solution? I mean, you know, for I, people I, to use. That's an excellent, excellent, super excellent question. And that's the magic question. What we discovered in the last 20 years has radically changed our understanding of health and disease. We found out that the same bacteria in the in the mouth that we thought caused tooth decay and gum disease can actually behave benign and beneficial, okay. depending on the terrain, depending on their environment. Okay. And that environment is affected by a number of different things: pH, which we I was just mentioning, mm-hmm. um, whether or not you are trying to kill it, which is you know a lot of toothpaste and all or eradicate it or desiccate it Mm -hmm. so the oral microbiome is six to ten billion microbes and you're the interesting thing is that when we started to understand the relationship we have yeah of our human cells to our microbes it really redefined what it meant to be human and that affects everything it affects your brain Mm-hmm. It affects your mouth. It affects your gut. We knew that. Um, it affects your skin. It affects your hair. It affects your performance. Okay. It, it affects um, how good an athlete you can become. Right. So the microbes in the mouth um, keep you alive. And and the most amazing aha moment I had as a dentist yeah. was when I discovered that the oral microbiome is an intelligent semi-permeable membrane that transports minerals from saliva to your teeth. You don't need fluoride. Okay. What you need is a healthy, balanced microbiome because then minerals from saliva, like calcium and phosphorus, get transported by the microbes to your teeth for your teeth to remineralize. And I always get the, asked the question, can your teeth heal? Yeah, well, that's a big question right now for me too. <laughs> yeah, and the answer is yes and no. <laughs> they, your teeth can heal when the demineralization or the or the incipient decay is in enamel, right? But when it goes past the enamel, right? There's three parts of the tooth: the enamel, yes. the dentin, and then the pulp, okay, which is the middle part, okay. And when it just gets to the margin of the dentin, just that part and up, your teeth can remineralize. But if it gets into the dentin, that's an organic part of the tooth. And that doesn't remineralize. So okay. you need mechanical removal of decay. We were talking about the oral microbiome and what are the things that we can do to keep it healthy without using fluoride. 
Talk to me a little bit about the ingredients that people should be using to keep their teeth healthy and their oral microbiome healthy and maybe share a little bit about the toothpaste that you created, Revitin. Right. And you know, one of the biggest things that I learned in all the research I did, and I did over 20 years of research in oral care um, and on the oral microbiome in particular. And my mentor, I know, who I'm deeply indebted to my entire life is uh, Dr. Stephen Moss, who was my mentor at NYU. And he also taught me about the oral microbiome. So around, I guess around 2002, 2003, he had a company that used to distribute funds for major companies to for studies, okay. in, international studies. Um, and his company, Health Education Enterprises, actually gave money to, you know, all over the world to um, universities to do studies on how to kill plaque because we believed at the time, this is prior to the Human Microbiome Project, that plaque is the problem. We got to kill plaque, you know, okay. Listerine, kill germs on contact, kill germs 24 hours a day. And what came back, and especially Colgate was interested in how do we kill plaque, what came back was that you don't want to kill it. What you want to do is make it healthy. Yeah. Because okay. we have this important symbiotic relationship between man and microbe that keeps us alive. So it, it sort of redefined the human microbiome project. Even the word microbiome was right. invented by uh, a microbiologist who got the Nobel Prize, Josh Liederman, who, who um, changed the word from biofilm, which always sound like this, yeah, slime. Yeah. And, totally. um, and then it's microbiome. Oh, it's this universe of microbes, universe yeah. of microbiome. And so you hear everybody throwing this microbiome word around these days. You know, the microbiome, yeah. the microbiome. They don't even know what the heck it is. Um, what uh, came out of the research that Dr. Moss funded was plaque is an essential, basically almost like an organ system that is out of balance. So it gets thick, sticky smelly when it is thin clear and odorless like my toothpaste promotes what we call microbial homeostasis of dental plaque right it takes it takes the unhealthy expression mm -hmm. of the oral microbiome and it helps promote it to become um, uh, healthy okay and when that happens so we did focus groups with like midwest housewives in chicago and we gave them all Revitin. And I'm going to get to the ingredient question because I know that's still weighing on your mind. Because I'm like trying to remember <laughs> that's what I asked you. <laughs> that's why these podcasts are fun. Because you're talking to a guy who... No, you're you know, really like, you're really good on podcasts. I, 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 you know, people are like, oh God, you're so entertaining. And you're so informative. So it's like infotainment, you know? Yeah. Or edutainment. Yeah. And, and I said, that's because I was a middle child. You know, I had a very domineering older brother. Yeah. And I was like the middle guy. I was like, hey, hey, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my sister's not like that, but we'll have to see what's going oh, on. Oh, so funny. When, yeah. When, when, uh, you know, and so I, and I love to sing. So, you know, when Billy Joel had me get up and sing on stage, yeah. um, that was, it was such, everybody was like, were you afraid? Were you nervous? He stopped his concert and said, I have a special guest. Yeah. It's my dentist. And, and when I got on stage, it was like, I loved it. It was like, there were 20,000 people. So you're like, maybe this dentist career is not for me. Yeah. And then, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> you're like, I think I'm going to start singing. My, my, my wife was like, you better keep your day job. <laughs> I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be married to a lounge lizard singing at the New York, New York casino. <laughs> All right. Let's get back to those ingredients. Yes. All right. No, you weren't talking about the ingredients though. You're talking about I, like this. I, well, I was yeah. talking about the fact that our thinking and our understanding yeah. Of what we want to do in the mouth to make it healthy. Yeah. Our thinking and understanding had to radically change. Okay. It's not about kill, kill and destroy. This scorched earth policy of kill everything. It's about, you know, like I said, get out of the pesticide business. It's time to do organic gardening, not just around us, but in and on our bodies as right. well. Right. And so for me, I started doing research on how do we, um, how do we do organic gardening in the mouth? How do we make the plaque healthy? Yeah. How do we do that? Right. And probably the number one ingredient is vitamin C. That and makes that sense. is, uh, there's a lot of studies on vitamin C years and years and years. You know, sailors used to get scurvy. Justin 
You're talking about scurvy. Yeah. <laughs> and ugly. Their gums would be bleeding and disgusting. I read a study that was done in the 1970s by a Japanese researcher that found two ingredients, um, two key nutrients for your mouth. I did a, I, I did some research and right. I found the study in Japan that showed that disease gums mm-hmm. had two ingredients which they were in deficient they were deficient of. One was vitamin C, which we okay. knew from all the scurvy discovery and all that. And the work of Linus Pauling and all that. Mm-hmm. Really, really big. And there was another guy uh, by the name of Emmanuel Cheraskin. He was a dentist and a medical doctor. I think it was a dentist and a medical doctor. He did so much amazing work on the on the benefits of vitamin C for your mouth. Okay. And really good. But the other ingredient, which was little known, you know, in the 70s. Yeah. Um, it was isolated uh, at the University of Wisconsin, discovered at the University of Wisconsin, 1957, the year I was born. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there were a number of discoveries. Signs. The signs are all there. Idea, all the signs. Um, and it's called coenzyme Q10. CoQ10. 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 Got it. Now everybody knows CoQ10. CoQ10, our body manufactures it up to a certain age. And when you hit your 30s, the levels of CoQ10 in your body start to diminish. Right. So you kind of peak in the 30s, the body's ability to make it, and then it diminishes. So CoQ10 is a cofactor in the manufacturing of ATP, the energy, the gas in the tank. And all the athletes know what ATP is. ATP, the gas in the tank for every cell in your body. If you're a runner, you need ATP to run. If you're a swimmer, you need it to swim. If you're a biker, you need it to bike. Right. Uh, The number one uh, prescription in Japan, even though it's a a nutrient, um, for congestive heart failure where your heart is failing, the number one in, uh, treatment with CoQ10 is congestive heart failure because the more the energy need, right? Your heart is pumping all the time. Right, right. It uses a lot of ATP. Um, skin uses a lot of ATP. But the third biggest need for, for uh, CoQ10 to manufacture ATP is adenine triphosphate is your gums. Okay. So... I got three patents, not one, not two, not three, on CoQ10 and vitamin C. It's vitamin C and CoQ10 in toothpaste. That's awesome. Then we started to experiment. We put vitamin E. um, We put MSM, which is methylsiphonylmethane. It's a connective tissue enhancer. And we put some minerals in there. And we had people, by the way, everything that went into Revitin came out of a health food store when I started it. Okay. So you were like. Um, so it was like everything we put in that toothpaste. And I worked with a colleague of mine, Dr. David Shuck, who was my classmate in dental school. And we both were like, we got to change toothpaste. I had gone to Harvard Medical School's program two summers. Um, there was a program by Dr. David Eisenberg on complementary and alternative medicine. And I was the only dentist attending this program. Uh, there were physicians, nurses, you know, nutritionists, chiropractors. Yeah. And I was the dentist. And they were like, what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, uh, guess what? Um, the mouth is connected to the rest of the body. <laughs> you know. Well, that's something. I mean, this is something that I mean, as as we don't I, mean, I don't know if everybody knows this. I mean, I, I feel like I know it because I've worked, you know, worked with you and have learned this from you. But like, I'm just going to talk about my dog for a second. The whole importance of keeping your dog's teeth healthy and making sure that you get their dental cleanings. This is like, maybe everybody else knows this except me and I just know it related to my dog. But like, it's because their teeth and keeping their mouths healthy will prolong, like keep them alive longer. And And and, I only know know that with the dog. But yeah, before I met you, I didn't realize it was like a thing. Pets. Pets, dogs and cats, yeah, have an epidemic level of gum, gum disease. Um, me, it's in, and, which yeah. which correlates to horrific breath, dog breath, and all yeah, that. Yeah, and so Revitin works on pets. Amazing. Yeah, I had a major investor in Revitin. He invested six figures. Um, uh, I, well, let me just say he invested a quarter million dollars. Yeah, into the development of Revitin. 
because the formula reversed his cat's gum disease. Okay, and, that is amazing. Yeah. So I have people use it on their dogs, use it on their pets. Uh, and it's safe for kids it and themselves. humans, of course. My yeah. grandson, from when his first tooth came in, was using Revitin and swallowing it because it could be, actually, it's a dietary supplement. There's nothing in there that's bad no, for you. No, Absolutely nothing. No. So that's why I always like when I, when I speak to other doctors and I talk about it, I'm like, by the way, if you took this small amount of toothpaste that's on my finger and swallowed it, you'd have to call poison control if you were one yeah. of the commercial brands. But for me, it's just a dietary supplement. It helps to restore and rebalance um, the microbiome in the mouth. And I had studies done that it actually helps the gut microbiome. So, like, this is just for you. Like, Revitin is something that you created because you wanted to help people. Like, it's not like you yeah. have another bit. Like, your business yeah. is a dent to be a, de a dentist. You're a dentist. You have a wellness practice. Yeah. Like, but you're just passionate about getting people healthy yeah. and wanting to, you know, have people come to you with better teeth, but just around the globe. I tried to get dentists behind this product. Yeah, it's but hard. Colgate. Yeah. And Procter and Gamble give them free samples to give to their patients. Yeah. So they don't really care. Right. Uh, and the patient's like, "Oh, my dentist gave me Colgate and uh, and Crest and da da da." And they and and they don't get it. There are um, biologically minded dentists, holistic dentists that are concerned about what their patients are using more, mm -hmm. and so they go deeper. But they are equally distracted. By the other crap natural toothpaste, there. Yes, there there's is also natural charcoal, toothpaste. Yeah. Xyl so I'd love to talk about xylitol. Xylitol is a sugar alcohol sweetener. I, I called it the the sugar alcohols were like the new methadone for the sugar industry. Oh my god! Okay. So like you have methadone for heroin. Yeah. You know, I, I think it was um, Eric Clapton who said, you know, the most addictive drug he ever had wasn't heroin wasn't cocaine it was sugar sugar yeah. sugar well there we are all more, know about that more so, so sugar is highly addictive and we're always looking for sugar alternatives and and what's interesting is like even the sugar industry they they buy the alternative they, they buy the companies that make the sugar alternatives right because then it helps but but xylitol is a really interesting um an amazing marketing um project. Yeah. Um, xylitol was invented by a DuPont subsidiary, Daniska, in Europe, and they took Xylan, um, which is xylitol. It's a sugar alcohol. So it is a sweetener and it has no calories. And so they were like, oh, um, xylitol is in Xylan, Xyclear, Xyl. Uh, yeah, there's a couple of different sweeteners uh, th that use xylitol. The thing is, it's not used in a lot of, they were putting it in baking products. Okay. And yes. it is so highly, it's a chemical. It is not from natural sugar or blah, 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 blah. It goes through an industrialized process of hydrogenation where they take xylan. And the original xylan came from, guess where? GMO corn cobs that they were throwing away. Monsanto? Yeah. yeah. So, so they took GMO corn cobs yeah. and extracted the xylan. So it was a bio waste. And they created a multi-billion dollar sugar alternative that is highly disturbing. So it's not absorbed or metabolized by the human body. As a matter of fact, it could kill your dog. Yeah. So, I mean, there are natural toothpaste out there and or, they, and they or natural organic. Xylitol. Okay. We're not going to name them. But if people want to know, they can read, DM me. <laughs> hello, everybody. Read yeah. the labels. Read the labels. Read the labels. So there are so many products out there that say they're natural this and natural that and oral health this and oral health that, and they have absolutely no science or understanding of the microbiome science. So and that's the other thing is that for me, I didn't develop a toothpaste that you could swallow or a toothpaste that tastes good and it's all natural. But and it does da -da -da -da. taste good. Yeah. Yes, it it does do all those things. But I invented a toothpaste that respects the microbiome science that says the microbes in your mouth are an indigenous part of who you are. They're as unique as your thumbprint. So your oral microbiome and my oral microbiome may be similar, but there are distinct differences as unique as our DNA. The other thing it says is that you don't want to kill it. 
you right. want to you want to get it healthy. So guess what happens? I was talking about the Midwest housewife uh, consumer study, right? Yeah. Um, and it, it was it's hysterical because the moderator um, said, you know, Dr. Curatola's, um, you know, uh, he's he, I was behind the glass. Yeah. And they said, you know, he goes, well, someone said, is he here? And he said, no, no, he's not here. This is this is just for you to be open and honest about. Yeah. About everything. <laughs> and I'm behind the glass. And they said and they were looking at my picture and they go, one of them goes, oh, he's kind of cute. <laughs> and, and, he, and then the, the moderator goes, no, no, no. If you met him, he's really not good looking. at all." <laughs> So it was the funniest thing. Anyway, they all tested it. Yeah. And and then they had to come back in three days and talk about their experience using the toothpaste. So the first one said, you know, it was really different than regular toothpaste. I didn't feel like it foamed up as much and all that. And said so it's designed that way. Oh, it was a different flavor. It was more of a citrus flavor, not peppermint, which I'm used to. Right. Because when your microbiome is unhealthy, peppermint kind of like just makes, makes everything feel, feel fresh. Yeah. So they didn't realize that peppermint is highly antimicrobial. It disturbs the microbiome. Right. It kills. And I got to yeah. use peppermint oil on my tomato plants right. to keep the bugs off. And um, so it's very antimicrobial, but everybody's conditioned to peppermint. What does peppermint do in commercial toothpaste? It covers up the bitter taste of fluoride, covers up the bitter taste of sodium lauryl sulfate. Mm -hmm. So if you took peppermint oil out of toothpaste, um, it would taste horrific. But at the same time, peppermint gives you that stingy, burny feeling. Mm -hmm. Like in Listerine. Like my mother used to love Listerine because of that medicine-y breath. But they actually use that as a promotional thing. I think Revitin tastes great. And actually, when I first started using it like a couple years ago, it is definitely like scary to try something new and to trust in the product but like you know yes. you read the science you do the research and you see like everything that you're saying is spot on and obviously you know this is something that there's been a ton of research behind and you have to trust it and i think that like you know a lot of people get nervous with that and i think i think the toothpaste is awesome i think everybody Thank should you. be using it and it's yeah. like so so it was interesting yeah. i should go back and get all those um experiences yeah you these, should put it on the website like some of those quotes but there were 12, and they, they were all women. There were 12 women um, from the Chicago area, yeah. um, from the more, you know, outside of Chicago and everything else. And they were very, very honest. And like four of them said, after I used the product for about three days, my mouth felt, two of them used the same word, squeaky clean. I was just going to say clean. Squeaky like just, clean. Yeah. Like you don't have to brush. And that's the thing is that, you know, we think, you know, what do they do in caveman days? You know, and they have, they, they have, probably had bad teeth. They have Neolithic skeletons no, that they yeah. found and everything of people. And you see teeth that the more primitive the diet, the less the disease. Yeah, that's interesting. And so we've become more, quote unquote, civilized with refined foods and refined products. And this has contributed to a real, not only huge numbers of dental issues that people experience in their lifetime, but also it damages you genetically so that your subsequent generations also have inherited your this damaged DNA, which makes their mouth malformed. And the guy who did the most research on this, who's my hero, yeah. is Dr. Weston Price. Oh, Weston Price, of, of course, yeah. yes. I mean, he I've was heard a of Weston Price. You know. yes. Oh, he I didn't know that. He was a medical doctor. He was a dentist. And he's really, you know, kind of like the Charles Darwin of American nutrition. In 1930s, he, but, but in 19, I always put his studies up because there should be a statue of him in front of the American Dental Association because he actually created the research arm of the ADA, but he wrote a book in the 1930s called Nutrition and Physical Degeneration. And it was the most fascinating book. I read it when I, when I did the Harvard program, it was one of the books I read and it changed my life because I was like. This is the 1930s. He did anthropological studies showing that the more civilized diets were directly proportional to the increase of, of dental disease. 
and dental, not just dental disease, but dental malformations. And he postulated about epigenetic effects of that. So the effects of that disease transcending future generations because of genetic damage, epigenetic expression in subsequent generations. That's so interesting. Very interesting. I didn't realize that because I always like, you know, you inherit like your teeth from your family. Like, did your mother have good teeth? Did your father have good teeth? Like, you know, is that why your teeth are good right, or bad? And like, right. you know, what is the story behind that? Right. So that's and, so you interesting. Know, I, I would see these guys, you know, these these like, you know, guys that grew up in like Kansas and they had teeth like a horse, you know, yeah. and I'm like, no dental disease, great wide jaws, you know, and yep. everything else. And that's because they're, they're you know, he, they came, they, it was farm to table. Right. They grew up on a farm, you know, right. farm to table, da, da, da. And so we, they didn't inherit a lot of the bad nutrition and all the bad crap that many other people in more urban centers had. So it was really, that's really, really fascinating. It's interesting. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, we're talking about toothpaste, but it's also about your diet and the foods that you eat and a lot of, you know, health, having a healthy oral microbiome comes down to like what you're eating. Like, are you eating processed foods? I mean, all of that. And I, I, I was just giving a talk um, to a group of doctors the other night, and I was talking about in my book, I guess now's the time to show the book. Yeah. I mean, also like just <laughs> in your book. book, The Mouth-Body Connection, you talk about this. Yeah. And I talk about four cornerstones of oral health. Actually, I'm rewriting this because there's a, there's a fifth one that has okay. emerged that is really important. So your airway, breathing, obstructive okay. sleep yes. apnea. That's a big thing. Um, but the four cornerstones in the book, mm-hmm. Marnie, are- yeah. Um, the first is uh, eliminating harmful oral care products, detergent-based mm-hmm. products, alcohol-based mouthwash, chemicals and products. We were talking about xylitol and the whole story behind xylitol. Yeah. And it is really um, – and the junk research that went into xylitol. Yeah. Well, A lot of junk research um, from – actually from Scandinavia, Finland, I think. The studies – they were Finnish studies on xylitol – Kills bacteria, kills the bacteria that cause tooth decay, kills strep mutans bacteria. Yeah. So they were looking at it as another pesticide. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is we don't, we got to get out of the pesticide business. Yeah. Whether it's xylitol, fluoride, um, sodium lauryl sulfate, um, chemicals like triclosan, chlorhexidine, all of this crap is not good for you, not good for your mouth. What's the second cornerstone? Nutrition. Yeah. And I call it triple A, triple A nutrition, alkalizing, yeah. meaning neutralizing the pH, antioxidant rich. Yeah. Okay. Your, your so mouth like burns. Having, yeah. Your mouth burns tons of antioxidants. Even like people like doing the home whitening products. Yeah. Ugh. That's peroxide. So it just oxidation, like, you know, the same process that rush your wrought iron furniture. Yeah. So I always talk about antioxidants. That's why I made Revitin so antioxidant rich. Okay. So, and, and then the, the third one is anti inflammatory. Like, people have inflammatory triggers. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, dairy. And yeah, I can't eat dairy and, and gluten. But yeah. even corn can be a trigger and everything. So you really want to have a diet that's alkalizing, antioxidant-rich, anti-inflammatory, call it triple-A. Okay. I like that, triple-A. No relation to the car service. Right. They're not coming to help you if you run out of gas in Manhattan near Jerry's office. not not triple-A, you know. What? what, what. But I thought it was easy to remember. Yeah, no, that's good. I like that. But the next two are really fascinating. Okay. Um, Another cornerstone of oral health is exercise. Okay. Everyone here listening to this podcast is definitely checking that off on the list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exercise. But why exercise? Because when you exercise, it improves circulatory function, right? So you clean out the junk. Mm -hmm. So it helps eliminate waste because you improve circulatory performance and immune system competence. That's another one. Okay. The other thing that healthy exercise, not like where you beat yourself to death, but Uh-oh. healthy I exercise. Just lost half my listeners. <laughs> triathlon <laughs> is not easy. <laughs> no, but you don't Seven do hours. Every, You don't do a triathlon every day, but you do no. train. No, well, so it depends. Opt- yeah. There's a difference yeah. between Training. optimal yeah. performance yes. and races, yes. which is healthy. Yes. And like there are people who are addicted to an everyday unhealthy imbalance yes, so healthy yeah i think you should do more podcasts on healthy exercise yeah people hurt themselves 
and they, you know, they they're, they're, they're overuse ending up with, injuries, they're ending up and, with yeah. orthopedic uh, procedures and orthopedic operations because they're not listening to their body, but they're more addicted with their mind. Right. And so, you know, so healthy, there are so many athletes that I admire and respect. Yeah. Um, and you're an athlete too. I mean, you, you do your own. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like a former. You're a former. <laughs> I am. No, no I, you're very athletic. I just I came mean, back, yeah. just came back from Canyon Ranch and I, and my wife insisted we go. We had our, we had our grandson for a week and we were like completely exhausted. I couldn't do anything i couldn't i couldn't cycle i couldn't like because you were chasing him because like i had my eyes on him at all times he's four, eyes on the four years old you know so like yeah. at the end my wife's like i just want you to know we're going to canyon ranch for three days <laughs> you're like we need to detox and then i did everything and chill out and who's at canyon ranch but our good friend jordan metzel and, oh that's where you were yeah yeah oh yeah. of course jordan so metzel. Jordan, yeah. jordan is one of the athletes i really really respect and admire so exercise is good for your oral microbiome. Yes. That is one of the four right. pillars. And, I, I, and yeah. so what I wanted to say is, you know, it, it helps produce short chain fatty acids and short chain fatty acids are really good for you. They're antioxidants and, and they, they have an anti-inflammatory property. So exercise is really important, not just for the fitness yeah. of your body, but fitness of your mouth. Awesome. And or is there one fitness more? Fitness of your smile. Yes. The fourth one. You yeah. Ready? What's the fourth one? Yeah. Managing stress. Managing stress. All right. That really. So stress causes your saliva flow to decrease, increasing cavities and tooth decay. Stress causes you, some people grind their teeth. They get TMJ. They clenching right. and all this. This stress does a lot of things because stress is when your autonomic nervous system, your ANS, there's mm -hmm. two parts. Um, you're either in sympathetic mode, which mm -hmm. is called often called fight or flight. Right. And that's when your and cortisol is like I would super say high. Three yeah. quarters of the people around us right now are in fight or flight. They're yeah. still in fight or flight from the whole COVID disaster. Yeah. And da 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 and all of that. And then the vaccines and da 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 da. They don't know what to do. Trying think. to figure out what and to do. And so yeah. uh, there's a lot of stress. And by the way, stress wrecks your immune system. Right. Stress. Um, causes a lot of imbalances in the mouth that are very damaging. And by the way, the microbes in your mouth help regulate your immune system. So I always tell people, don't underestimate the importance of managing stress and helping your body go from sympathetic. So when I say stress, think sympathetic. Right. Sympathetic, not like caring, sympathetic, bad, for your nervous system. Yeah. Where you need to be is parasympathetic. Right. That is a restful, regenerative state. So how do you get your body into parasympathetic mode? And by the way, some exercises, yoga and, and stuff like that, are very good for helping your body get right. to parasympathetic. Yes. And breathing, like breath work and pranayama. Breath work, is mindful so meditation. Yeah. You know, meditating, praying. I mean, you got to take time out. People don't turn their brain off. So I don't know any this, of those people. They're in the, <laughs> they're in fight or flight all the time. Yeah, and they live there. They live there, yeah. and it's really, really bad. It's bad for your mouth. It's bad for your. It's mind, mouth, body, spirit. It's it's bad. Yeah. So I did the book with these four cornerstones and talking about it. I actually have in the book. Um, I have um, the the seven best yoga poses for helping you get into. Uh, parasympathetic mode. I, awesome. I have a whole, I have recipes in the You back. have a lot of great recipes, a lot of great exercise suggestions. Suggestions. Because exercise doesn't mean you have to become a marathoner. No. You, but and, I mean, this is like, you know, yeah. I mean, you don't have to become a marathoner. You can just go for a run. You can take a soul cycle class. You, you can Peloton, do whatever. You can just resistance do band yeah. exercises. And, um, and that's what I put, that's what I put in the book. So the yeah. book, Kind of goes um, outside the box of like, you know, brush and floss and see your dentist twice a year. Yeah, we need to change that. This has been super awesome having you on the podcast, just really doing a deep dive into toothpaste and the oral microbiome and how everyone can stay healthy and what chemicals to look out for and which ones to add and what you should be eating and diet and nutrition. Where can everyone get your products? Like where is there a yeah. website? What? Yeah. yeah. So, um well, first, you know, everyone should follow me. <laughs> everyone should follow Jerry. Uh, rejuvenation. Come, come, come. Come follow Jerry. 
<laughs> Wait, rejuvenation. At, re- at Dr. Jerry Curatola on Instagram. Okay, G-E-R-R-Y-C-U-R. Yes. I'm Gerald, so my I go by Jerry. Yes. And it's Jerry with a G. Yes. I hated Gerald Ford for writing his name with, with a, a J. J. Yeah, I know. It's, it's like, very confusing just for just as dumb as him hating people with golf balls. May he rest <laughs> in peace. <laughs> But I was like, I don't know when he was president. I was 13 or whatever it was. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I was like, he's spelling it with a J? No, so it's Dr. Crazy. Jerry Curatola, D-R-G-E-R-R-Y-C-U-R-A-T-O-L-A. On Instagram. Yes. And at Rejuvenation Health. And Rejuvenation is R-E-J-U-V-E-N, not I-N, E-N-A-T-I-O-N. Uh, Rejuvenation Health. And our... Um, our office is Rejuvenation Dentist, Rejuve Dentist, but um, they can get the products yeah. at Revitin.com, okay. R-E-V-I-T-I-N.com, and also um, Rejuve Store, our Rejuvenation Store, R-E-J-U-V hyphen store.com. And I'm going to put all of this in the show notes. And all right, well, this has been so great. Thank you for popping by the podcast. Or should I say thank you for having me at the beautiful library? By the way, it's a library in my building. It's not my personal library. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, MarnieOnTheMove1 at gmail.com and let me know what you're enjoying what you want to hear more of, if you have questions for our guests, 